It's all connected. This is the RussJohnson.com podcast. Hey, hey, hey. Baby, it is Russ Johnson and it's all connected. Here we are again, doing one of my most favorite things, having a discussion about what our beliefs are. And I believe Katie Valentine is onto something. She is a metaphysical Christian. And I may never forget the moment that I heard metaphysical Christian. Like, what the heck is that? Well, typically they reject traditional dogmas and creeds in favor of more individualistic and intuitive approach to spirituality. Metaphysical Christianity is a spiritual belief system that combines traditional Christian teachings and metaphysical principles. Metaphysical Christians believe in the fundamental teachings of Christianity, such as the divinity of Jesus Christ, the Holy Trinity, and the power of prayer. However, they believe in the power of the mind and the importance of spiritual practices, such as meditation and visualization. And I think she's really, really on to something. Join me now as I speak with Katie Valentine when I ask her where she was from. Okay, so I grew up in a very moderate Protestant household. We went to a Methodist church and really involved um, from you know, committees and youth group and all of that kind of thing. My whole family was. And then at what I, age did you so since you were a kid? Yeah, since I was a kid, yeah. I bo- born into that church. I was baptized when I was three weeks old, and uh, I stayed there until I went to college. Um, and then I also went to Catholic school until eighth grade, and that had a really, really deep impact on me. Um, so I was kind of learning one set of rules at school, one another set of rules at home and at church. But I also grew up in, in Louisiana in the South and in Northern Louisiana where Southern Baptist and evangelical culture reigns. And so, I, you know, I had this real mix of hangups and of traumas, and also a real mix of beauty and and of diversity. And so from a really early age, from my earliest age, I saw that Christianity was not just one thing. It had many different expressions, many different beliefs, and many different authentic ways of living. I also saw that it had many, much potential for trauma, a lot of potential for hangups, especially for women, especially around sexuality, and a lot of different potential trauma around belief and kind of salvation and the goodness of people. So I feel like I experienced the whole gamut of it, you know, when I was growing up. What parts of it were you attracted to? You said it was some of it was beautiful and some of it not so much. What parts of it were was the biggest attraction? I think the biggest attraction is when a group of people gets together, even when they disagree and they collaborate wonderful things can happen. So, I mean, I really did witness um, beautiful intervention in people's lives, uh, people authentically helping other people out, providing casseroles for funerals, um, mission to those, you know, to to clothe the naked, to feed the hungry, and doing that in ways that was not insulting. Absolutely. And that's what I grew up into. I was Southern Baptist. And that's one of the beautiful things about religion in particular is that it brings people together like minds that you can get together and, of course, discuss God and those type things. But it's the community activities. It's giving you a meaning. And um, I think there's a lot of value in that. And clearly you found that as well. What about the negative parts of it? 
Yeah, the, the negative parts are many, and I, these are not going to be a surprise, I think, to anyone. Um, you know, a lot of emphasis, especially for girls growing up on virginity, on saving yourself till marriage, on sexual purity, on a, a, a little a little bit of shame or a lot of bit of shame kind of thrown in there. Um, definitely, I went to, I remember going to a some kind of Southern Baptist camp when I was about 12, and that was really kind of some of my first environment and a focus on the altar call and a focus on dedicating your life to Jesus and forever and ever. And this kind of once saved, always saved, which is not a theology that I practice anymore, but you know, it was really impactful at the time. And it took me a long time to untangle that because I did have a really profound altar call moment. But after a few years, the theology of that I wouldn't have said this at the time, but now I can sort of understand the theology of that really wasn't working for me. When would you, how would we have known that you and I would have so much in common? I actually worked at a um, Baptist camp for four summers. So I was really involved too. You landed in the metaphysical arena. How did you land here? Fast forward um, a couple of years. So I went to college. I studied religion in college. I went to seminary. So I went to a Methodist seminary and I got a two-year academic degree. I never had intent, an, an intent of being a pastor. And then I've been so fascinated by the Bible my, my entire life. So I thought, I'm going to make a living at this. Ha, little did I know. Uh, but I went ahead and pursued a PhD in New Testament. Wow. And so I was doing that in Berkeley, California. And lo and behold, what better place than Berkeley to really immerse yourself in metaphysical realities? Um, really? Yeah, you know, there's there's goddess stands on every single corner yeah. and people are talking about chakras on the street. So right. uh, I was fortunately in a in a place in an academic setting where we were also free to incorporate our spiritual experiences as as authentic. Um, and not sort of dogmatic or doctrinal. And I also attended a church as where I, where I was introduced to my current church and denomination that was pretty welcoming, pretty open, even if they didn't get it. But they had no problem supporting me on my kind of personal journey to explore this, you know, what I call a metaphysical reality, things wow. like intuition and energy and chakras and Reiki. And I was doing that all while attending church on Sunday morning. So I ended up in this beautiful place where I could explore all of that, which came pretty naturally to me. I I think I had the inclination towards all of those topics when I was much younger, but didn't know how to frame it and certainly didn't have anyone who could answer questions about it. And everyone sort of pushed it aside as being like just just new age stuff. What kind of school was this and how did you find it? Uh, so the school is, is is really a academic school. It's called the Graduate Theological Union. We weren't talking about chakras in the classroom. I was doing all the stuff you do when you get a PhD, which I got to say, you know, your first couple of years in biblical studies is not exciting. You're like collating text and learning Greek and Hebrew and Yay. German and French and all of that kind of stuff. You're really, yeah. your nose is just in a book. Uh, but the school is called the Graduate Theological Union. It's a It's a wonderful school. I had a Pretty good experience there overall. No one has a great PhD experience. Right. Um, everyone, the most I've ever heard is pretty good because it's very intense. But the school was embedded in a variety of spiritual traditions. So yet again, I found myself surrounded by Buddhist, by um, many different kinds of Christians, uh, by Hindu, by Muslims, all of who are experiencing God in authentic ways. And some of whom were open to this non-tangible kind of woo-woo stuff. When you say non-woo-woo, 
I mean, ultimately, it's all woo-woo. Everything's spiritual, right. you know, from the outside yeah. looks woo-woo. So if you had to look at metaphysical versus like Orthodox Christians, what is what kind of tools are you using that they don't use? Yeah, I think some of it is just a matter of naming it, right? So there's some Christian practices that are sanctioned by different churches and some that are not. And so really, I think that's the only difference. I think the difference in the kind of uh, the way I practice my faith and invite others to practice their their faith now is that I do it from a place of non-doctrine and non-dogma. And that goes very much in line with the church that I am, that I actually ended up getting ordained in as well. Um, where we say our only creed is Christ. Wow, that's beautiful. I love it. I really do. And that's what I said. If 40 years ago, I, I probably would have been hooked. But, you know, I'm, I I love where I landed yeah. and everything. But I'm pretty sure if you had been at my oh. doorstep, I could have like um, I would have gotten it because it you know it's bigger than what I was taught as a Southern Baptist. And I think some of this metaphysical stuff is what's holding a lot of people back from seeing a bigger picture. I mean. Not that this is a better way, but it's most certainly, from my view, a um, wider angle. What what do you think it's going to take for more people to realize that this metaphysical stuff really is a part of spirituality? You know, what's it going to take? I think it's it's personal experience and it is maybe having some soft places to land. And that's what I attempt to provide in, in my different communities um, that I operate in. Because when people first begin this process, if they're coming from a from a pretty strong faith background where um, ex- exploring unsanctioned, let's say unsanctioned spiritual realities um, was not okay, you know, it takes a long time to untangle that. It, it doesn't just happen overnight. So I think for, in my experience, well, I don't know. I don't know if Christianity will do this or not. I, you know, I can't see the future. Um, I have a lot of gifts, but predicting the future in this way is, is not one of them. Um, but yeah, I think providing some places for people to land a really gentle place for people to untangle what they were taught from what is authentically theirs um, is what is needed. And of course, for I have really amazing colleagues who provide space for people to um, to deconstruct, to ask their own questions, to find their own spiritual path. But I certainly know I have many colleagues out there who are not so generous. So it would be really nice if we had more uh, professional clergy who were uh, who were trained in assisting people on this part of their journey and just didn't tell them they needed to have more faith, which is unhelpful. What do you say to people who take the Bible literally, though, that they will challenge you about metaphysical uh, means of worship? I say very little because my time is too valuable. Yeah, I can get that these days. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very little. If someone wants to have an authentic conversation and they just they're like, okay, wait, this is the way I was taught. I don't know what to do next. That's a conversation I am always happy to have. If someone wants to kind of challenge me and they get in a flight fight freeze um, state of mind about it, I don't have the conversation because I know that physiologically when we're amped up and when we're defending a core belief that feels challenged, we can't have any kind of conversation um, that's going to be productive. That's so true. Um, so a lot of what I do is really just creating safe space to even have the conversation. You're creating a sacred container so that we can think about things maybe in new ways. And for those listening, I know that everyone has had conversations where, you know, someone throws a Bible verse at you. It's actually never about you. It's always about them. People only do that when they feel threatened. I believe that's true. Absolutely. Yeah. What is your concept of God and what's the role of Jesus in it? What's my concept of God? I don't think I've been asked that in a long time. My my concept of God is um, 
as a personality, so I definitely am theistic, where I, be- I do believe my experience is that there is a God, a, a supreme, a source. Uh, and my experience is that God is love, God is wild, God is luscious, and how God cares for all of creation. And God is mysterious. There's a lot about God I do not know. And I will not know while I'm here as a human. Um, what is the role of Jesus in all of this? You know, it changes. I think my my belief, my faith, my questions about who Jesus is, is always evolving. So at this moment in time, Jesus is my teacher. Jesus is the example of love incarnate on the earth. Jesus is one who came to show us full consciousness on the earth, and also the one who showed us the tragic price that sometimes people are called to make for the good, for the energy that they put out in the world. Yeah, I get that too. And you know where I landed is that I believe Jesus came and did and said and did all the things that the Bible says that he did. He came to show us what we're capable of, though. Does that resonate with you? Oh, yeah, definitely. One thing I I work with my my people on a lot is that Jesus also says that we can do more, even more than Jesus did. Yep. He said you can do these things and more. And more. And that and more is so amazing because... Um, you know, Jesus was didn't have the technology that we have today. Right. Um, Jesus used, I believe, Jesus used energy in healings and in miracles and in transmitting the message. I mean, for me, it's really all about the message. And we can do all that and more. And Jesus also only had a year to do it. I've, I've been I've been blessed with having a lot longer than that to help be a thread in this tapestry of the message of Jesus and that Jesus is, you know, echoing voices older than his and voices parallel to his too. What do you think about God's before Jesus? People who claim to be gods. Oh, like, do you have anyone in mind? Um, Buddha. Yeah. So, I mean, I think Buddha is a really interesting example because Buddha didn't really claim himself to be a God, but to be enlightened. That's right. I stand corrected. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, I think Buddha's um, a wonderful kind of parallel maybe to Jesus. And it's, I, I've talked to so many Buddhists and some sort of worship Buddha. And then some think Buddha is a teacher. What about Shiva? Shiva. You know, I, um, so I don't have a extensive knowledge of Hinduism, but one thing that's cool about Hinduism is that it's actually a monotheistic religion that presents as polytheism. Yeah. And so the idea that Shiva is an expression of the ultimate source that teaches us how to incorporate life and death into our being and to be very comfortable with that, I think is pretty cool. What I think is cool by you saying that is that you have found the connection to other religions which is the same place that I landed of seeing how, you know, we're all talking about the same thing. It's just different ways to get there. And it seems to me that you found that same connection with your explanation there. Do you, do you think that's true? Uh, I, I mean, I think so. That's kind of the where I have landed, you know, landed these days. And I'm certainly open to to change. And I'm I'm open to the fact that I may have a really healthy margin of error. Right. Like this is the way I think about it. Do I have the the complete totality of all of creation and the different beings that accompany us on our journey figured out? In a nice little flow chart? No, <laughs> but I do it the best that I can inside my own head. Do you think that Jesus is the only way? I think, no, not in the traditional evangelical sense. 
I think that the spirit that animated Jesus that we call the Christ is present in all living things, no matter what name we call that. So in that way, I I think that all of creation is embedded with that Christ spirit. I totally agree. And I, but I had a uh, Christian this past Easter whom I lost as a friend because he told me I needed to pick sides. I was um, uh, giving props to Jesus because I do believe in Jesus. Like I said, I believe he came and did and said and all the things that the Bible says that he did. But he was telling me that you can't just pick the parts that you want to believe. And, you know, either either all in or you're not. And um, I had a hard time swallowing that one. Yeah, oh, that's uh, so. I feel so sad for him, and you know, he obviously had some core beliefs that were probably being challenged, and um, the you know the disruption of a friendship is also, is always just really hard. But I also find there's a little bit of humor in the stance, you know, not in your particular situation, but just in that stance that we don't pick and choose because, of course, we do. Yeah, like of course we do. Of course we do. Yeah, like it's impossible to actually take the Bible completely literally i have respect for the communities that that attempt that you know i'm thinking of like hasidic jews although they're really following like the talmud not not necessarily the bible um or maybe the amish or some groups like that but even they are picking and choosing it's not like the bible says that we need to wear 17th century garb that the amish wear that's part of their cultural inheritance I love the way you think. Yeah. You know, I've, I've said for years that I don't think two ministers of the same faith can agree on everything, right. much less try to get the whole world for heaven's sake. Yeah, and I, I got to think that God is is saying, "Really? Like that's this is what we're arguing about?" Yeah, like, man. Let's let's get busy yes. making the world a better place. <laughs> that's exactly it. We're arguing over the small stuff. We just nitpicky little things that we want to argue about just because we love to argue for some reason. And then there's all this other stuff that we see in a very similar way. So why don't we focus on that stuff? But no, we don't. Yeah. We argue. We love to argue. Let's get let's switch gears here. How about praying and meditating? Which do you do both? And um, yeah, you know, which do you like most if you do both? Yeah, I would say uh, I would say probably meditate more than pray. Although I don't draw personally a big distinction between the two. The you know there's kind of a, a somewhat trite saying that praying is talking to God, meditating is listening. I think there's room for both, no matter what we call it. Um, so I try to be in silence every single day. I'm also in the middle of shamanic training, um, which is wonderful and fabulous. But it it has its yeah. own kind of form of meditation, which is taking journeys, which is probably a little more active for the brain. So I'm doing a lot of that right now too. Um, so I think any way I can be in touch with spirit is is great. I personally have to be very careful not to shortchange myself, which I have a tendency to do. I really, I, I'm, a, I'm extroverted. I, I like doing things. So for me to sit still and just be quiet and allow spirit to work within me is actually quite challenging. Mm. Um, so anyone else who has that problem, um, you are not alone and there are solutions to it. Um, so, you know, but praying, I'm, I'm thinking also my, uh, Usually I live in Ireland. Right now I happen to be in San Antonio, Texas. And my spouse and I came here to assist my in-laws because my father-in-law was dying. And he died just two or three weeks after we got here. I'm sorry to hear that. Oh, thank you. Thank you. But, you know, it was a really beautiful um, kind of last couple of weeks as well. But, you know, with him, we prayed because that's what he wanted. He wanted Hail Marys and Our Fathers and very traditional prayers that were comforting to him. So also, was that prayer? Was that meditation? I don't know. But 
I did. We did it in such a way that was congruent with his faith. Um, you start. You mentioned shamanic work. Um, does this impl- involve any uh, plant medicines or anything? It does like that? not. The tradition that I am in, uh, we do not. It's a it's a one year program. We do not cover any plant medicine. Um, partly, and I'm not opposed to it. Um, I've I've done quite a bit of not quite a bit. I've done casual sort of interviews around it uh, with others. Um, but there's a misconception that all sh- shamanism includes um, heavy use of psychotropics. And that's actually not true. That's maybe like two to 5% of shamanic work. The rest of shamanic work is you, your body, your spirit um, doing it. So some people use plant medicine to bypass rather than enhance their spiritual journey. So again, not opposed to it, but it's not part of my particular training right now. Um, And I'm I'm curious why you ask. I'm curious because I've done plant medicines before. I think they're very useful in regards to, um, it's like an, um, I guess it's like a welcome card, you know, it's kind of, it, it wakes you up that to the fact that it's there. For people who do not spend much time in spiritual thought, and unfortunately, at least from my experience, most people are not, um, it can help you move ahead a few steps to recognize that, hey, this is bigger than I thought, because it does wake the mind up in a way that I don't think most things can. And not that it's even necessary. Certainly not. I think, uh, you know, there's many paths you can take to enlightenment. But I'm not certain that you know, that's not one of them. <laughs> it definitely does something to you. It grounds you, especially if you do it with the correct intentions. Yeah, I think if you're just doing it to is, party, you know, right. that's one thing. That's you're not going to get anything out of that. In fact, I did that in college, and there was always something weird and odd that happened. But then, since I've learned to use this intentionally, spiritually, um, yeah, it's an eye opener. It really is. There's some interesting things that can happen if you're open to it and do it in the right manner. Yeah, and. Treating the plant with respect. Absolutely. That's yeah. it. Yeah. Well, with yeah. everything with respect, Katie, right. you know, it's recognizing that it's all connected. Every bit of it. And, you know, when you talk about metaphysical, to me, if you talk about plant medicines, talking about with the intention of using that plant, whatever it may be, mushrooms or whatever. If you're um, there are metaphysical tools that some people use. I personally don't. But I know people, some people use the tarot or crystals or whatever. And I believe it's the intention that you put into it. It's not the object, but it's the intention that creates the energy that gives us that experience. Yeah, always. need those tools. Yeah, Yeah, always. And whether it's plant medicine, cards, crystals, if we're using them to try to get an easy answer or to get out of doing our own work, they will be useless. They'll be like clanging gongs, like Paul might say. Um but if we use them with intention to as, as tools to assist us on our journey, they can be powerful allies. So you use tarot cards? I don't use tarot cards that much, but I use oracle cards, which are you know pretty similar. Very similar. Yeah. yeah. And, and so if you can, and I haven't had a satisfactory explanation of this. I Actually, I, I test these tarot cards every day. I have some oracle cards as well. And sometimes it's just like, wow, that's amazing. And then some days it's like, well, that didn't make sense. You know, I guess to me, I can't get past this chance thing. And I've had people try to explain it to me of how it works. And I mean, I really want this stuff to kind of, you know, be able to play a role in my life. But I can't get past this chance stuff. So in the best way you know how, can you explain how a tarot card or an oracle card can actually out of the 72 cards just pop up and be the card that you need to hear? Is the spirit intervening somehow? So can we just do it like in real time? Please do. Let's yeah. do. Okay. So I grab one of my, I grab my Kyle Gray uh, ancestors and Oracle deck. Do I get um, to ask the question? 
Yeah, let's see. Yeah, what's on your mind? What do I need to know right now? Okay, perfect question. So that, that's the example to me of a very good question. And sorry, listeners, you're going to hear the shuffling here. Um, that's the answer to it. I mean, I think that's a very good question. And so as with... It's the only one I ever ask. Okay. When I ask, when, as I'm testing this, the only question I ask every day. Um, so I wonder what it would be like to maybe maybe have a, um, an alternate kind of mindset around it rather than testing, maybe to be curious. That's where I started. Okay. That's exactly where I started, and then I became more skeptical. Okay, but okay, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to move past that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it could be that the question that's here is, what do you need to know right now, especially related to using the tools? And I just want to say, not every tool is for every person. And so that's totally fine. And every question we ask is going to be limited by the deck that we're using to answer the question. And not every deck is perfect for every situation. Right. So I'm not going to use like the question you just asked. I'm probably not going to use a romance deck. Got it. Yeah. Or necessarily an animal guides deck. Right. So I'm using something. I'm going to draw on something else. that's going to be more conducive for that. Fair enough. And so my perspective is that this is all about law of attraction and it's your energy. And then if I'm drawing the card for you, my energy um, combining kind of like a tattoo artist. You have a vision. The tattoo artist has a vision. The tattoo doesn't match either one's precisely. Got it. Makes sense. Right. But like the energies are kind of commingling and working together. So with law of attraction, we're going to get the message that we needed. That message is going to be within the limitations, of course, of the cards, right? We can't go beyond the 72 cards or however many there are in the deck. But the card only acts as a portal to the higher information. So the card itself is simply a card, but it can prompt us or lead us to um, greater information. So that's available through the spirit. So let me ask. Okay. And so I've heard this and I stopped shuffling. So I'm continuing now. Pat heard it said, you know, that what you just described some in a different way, but very similarly described can I, would that card not somehow just by showing up and now I'm looking at it and now someone's telling me the interpreting the card be a suggestion that becomes a reality because that's what I focus on now. The, the, what I, what's, I'm not gathering the word. There's actually a word for this when you're directing someone in a particular way. Yeah, I see what, yeah, I see what you mean. Um, and I think that that does happen. And so this is what we, what, what I kind of tell my people all the time too is, it's it's necessary for us to make ourselves very clear beforehand. Yeah, I've done. I've gone through this process too. I'm not. I'm. I'm yeah. want this to, I don't want to debunk it. You want it to land. I know you want it. Yeah, to land I'd love for, for it to. I would love for it to. <laughs> okay, so let's just let's just see how these land. Yeah, um, so let's the do first, it. yeah, the first. I drew two for you just because that was my intuition. Um, All right. So the first one is um, Shaolin Master. Be graceful in movement and action. So actually what comes up for me immediately around this, and it's a gorgeous card, um, and there's kind of a yin-yang and like a grasshopper on the card as well, is that um, we cannot observe while we're in motion. Um, Kind of like in quantum physics, the act of observing disrupts the experiment. Yep. And the things you look at change the things we look at change. Right. As we as we look at them, like being um, stopping the experiment to observe it um, is an act of the experiment. And so I'm kind of curious about that just with 
um, like cards in particular or whatever yeah. the cards may be pointing to, like what would it be like to just be the, the graceful in the movement and action? And um, I want to say suspend disbelief because I think disbelief is really healthy. Um, no, but, but it, it actually seems quite appropriate. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Um, but just to be like in the moment and then maybe do the evaluation afterwards. Yeah. With the cards. Okay, I'm going to have to change my mindset a little bit. I'll try that. I definitely will. I definitely well, your, will. Your second card is Air Guardian, and I, I love this one. And the words are shift your perception. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's interesting. See, that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. It does happen sometimes. And um, I'll tell you this, what's really interesting. All but once for every time someone has drawn a card for me, it's always always when I'm doing the drawing that becomes the issue. Yeah. So maybe, you know, I I think we all have tools like that, right? Like there's... There's so many metaphysical tools we could be using. And trying to become the master of all means we'll become the master of none. True. With them. And so, you know, I'm really content with the ones I have. I expand every once in a while. But, um, you know, there's there's only so many hours in the day. And as long as we're talking to spirit, it's all good. It's interesting. Can you it's draw one more card for a different subject? Sure. Say, like, for example, I'm uh, thinking about starting a new business. I'm, I don't know how to ask the question, really, other than, um, is this the right move? Okay. You know, I could draw a card for it, but... Let's do, yeah, I'll draw a card for it. I'm getting, if you have some other idea, go ahead. Well, I have my pendulum as well, but that might be a little limiting. It's okay. Whatever right you now. want to do. So just, is this the right move? Um, is there anything else kind of coming to mind? Do you want to know if it's the right move, like financially or for energy or for something yeah. else? Yeah, um, financially so that I can uh, do some other projects that I'm wanting to do. Okay. So this one, I'm using a really wonderful deck called the Quantum Oracle Deck by Sandra Ann Taylor. So I'm going to give her credit. Awesome. And I bought this one right around Halloween last year's. How many decks do you have? Mm-hmm. I pared down two, three, four, five, six, maybe 10 or 12. Yeah. And I don't use them all all the time. I'm I use sneaking them with up clients on you. a lot. I'm sneaking up on you. I have four. they can be addictive i gave a lot away um so you're of course the card this is um just for those of you who don't have any experience with cards if you're doing a draw for someone there's always a moment of utter panic when you draw the card and you think i don't know what this means um so part of it is just listening to spirit and being in touch Um, but this is yeah this is a this is a beautiful card with a like a um young adult woman and she has a heart with wings going across her like collarbones and the card is called your higher self hmm. and so this is of course not a yes or a no um kind of answer because starting a business is sort of rarely ever going to be yes or no there's so many nuances and variables yeah. in it but actually what i'm kind of getting and tell me if this resonates is that um if this business is an expression of your higher self, it's worthy at least of consideration. But like maybe that's the check-in to do. Is this is this business um, congruent with your values of your higher self? Is your higher self kind of involved in assisting you in its development in the idea phase so that you can execute for financial security? 
And I think that heart centered, like the heart with the wings, um, just remaining really heart centered as you begin to explore. Got it. Yeah. Well, this feels very you know, generic, but I'm just kind of listening. It and is generic, but maybe, you know, uh, what I love doing more than anything is this stuff. I love talking about this more. I could spend my whole day talking to somebody, anybody about this stuff all day long. But this job, this uh, new venture is not in this realm. And Ooh. but it would be enough money to help me do some of the other things, but it will take up time, too. So it's, it's a right. little bit of a concern. So, yeah, it's a little bit a little bit vague. Wish you'd just say yes or no. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I bought a deck once that had like the yes or no, and I hated it. I, I like, really? tur- I like tossed it out. Yeah. yeah um, sort of like that is chance, right? 50 50. Is that kind of. Yeah. And to me, it's the subtleties are what are fun. Yeah. And like, we don't, that, I think, I think that can, it, it has the potential to make us a little lazy. Yeah. Right. Like, what about, what, yeah. You mentioned the pendulum. Mm-hmm. So another tool that tool. I'm, I'm, I can't get past that I'm, I'm tr- and I have one that I've tried to just I want to remain steady as uh, as I possibly can. And I do. And it doesn't move. <laughs> What's what, the crystal on it? Pardon? What do you know what the crystal is on it? There's not a crystal on this one. It's metal. It's metal. Um, does it need to be crystal? It doesn't need to be. And I'm not an expert on pendulums, although I do use them. And actually, this was so sad. Um, right before I left about six weeks ago to come to the United States, I reached into the pocket of the jacket where I had stashed my pendulums after I had had it out and about, and it wasn't there. Hmm. And I don't know where this is. So I'm going to do I'm going to allow St. Anthony to help me find it. When I return home. So actually I have a new one that I'm just kind of getting to know. Um, But I do know that not every pendulum is for every person. And sometimes we just told me that you, you got the wrong one. You need to let the pendulum pick you is what she told me. Yeah. You know, like sometimes they just don't resonate. I would Mm. definitely make sure that you've, and you probably have, but that you've cleansed it of any energy of its past. Yeah. And dedicated it. I do that with Um, crystals too. Yeah. Yeah, exactly like you would do with a crystal. And that um, have you tested it to tell you what yes or no is? Yeah, I did all that in the okay. beginning of it. And I thought that, I, you know, but, you know, the slightest little movement can make these things tick. It does. And it was as like, it goes back again. There's this skepticism about, am I making this happen? Because, right. you know, I want it to be a yes. Yeah, you know? exactly. But, you know, even that can be fairly telling on its own, because sometimes if I only use a pendulum, I use it more to clear energy than to ask yes or no questions. Um, but sometimes if I feel a little stuck, I might use the pendulum to help get me unstuck around an issue or a topic. Or like, for instance, I was uh, my spouse and I were putting a bid in on a property and I was just getting a little, I was getting a little too in my head about the price and should we go over? And I actually used the pendulum to help me um, stay within the price range that we had determined. Cause it's easy wow. just to be like, go up five more, you know, go up one more bid, one more bid. Yeah. Um, and that was exceedingly helpful. Like this is the, this is kind of the soft cutoff for us. That's a neat way to use it. How do you clear energy out using these things? I clear energy by, um, uh, I will go up and down each chakra and let the pendulum assist me in clearing that chakra if I'm finding it a little difficult on my own. Or like I said, if I get up in my head. And another thing I should just say is that I think it's a natural, I think it's our natural state to 
work with energy, to work with metaphysics. However, it does not come super easily to me. Like I'm someone who had to work at it a bit in the beginning. And so that convinced me even further that this really is for everyone. Like some people don't have a choice, like they have to work with it or it'll consume them. I do have a choice. Yeah, I do have a choice. That's interesting. Yeah, I could live my whole life without this and it would be okay. Um, But for, for, well, it wouldn't be okay because like this is my calling. But, you know, um, I'm not someone who has to do it. I do it because I'm called to do it. Um, So, but with chakra work, I use the pendulum. If you have the intention that it will help you clear each chakra, that thing will go around in circles and it will go like count for me. It will go counterclockwise when something is kind of gummed up and then it'll go clockwise as the energy gets cleared. Okay. And what do you do when you see it gummed up? Um, I, I personally focus on that area and be very gentle and very tender with myself because more than likely I've caused the um, I or the world or circumstances have just caused the blockage of whatever's going on. Um, so for me, I just really repeat with kindness um, to myself that I'm ready to release whatever this energy is that I no longer need it anymore. And I pick often I will picture it going down into Mother Earth through a hollow tree trunk. Do you feel something? Often. I didn't at the, at the beginning, but I do now. Like what, what are you feeling? Is it like an emotion or is it a vibration or what? Sometimes so it depends on what's going on. Um, I've been doing quite a bit of like ancestral work lately. And so when I can feel release from um, ancestral like stuff that my ancestors have un- unknowingly passed down to me, that is, that does feel like an emotion. Like there's some um, relief of like sadness or relief of trauma that's there. And then a replacement right. with some, with relief, with joy um, that's there. And then sometimes so I think emotion, it's just, it's emotion mm-hmm. and energy. It can be. Yeah. It can be emotion and energy. Um, I think sometimes if I'm just like tense and had too much caffeine and a weird day, then it's, I just kind of feel the energy shift. Yeah. See, I love this energy stuff. This is when you were talking about shamanism. I mean, that's my world. I love that stuff. I yeah. think that does. I think in a, if you believe in reincarnation, and do you? Do you believe in reincarnation? I do. Love it. Yeah. Katie, I wish I'd have known you back in my day we, when I was questioning <laughs> stuff. But you know, we're each doing our own work as we're called to it. Yeah, we really are. Yeah. And it's it's interesting, man. I'm I'm so glad you're doing the work that you're doing because this, this is the kind of stuff that Christians in particular, I think, need. Because... Look, I mean, no matter what, if you have a dogma, that's fine if that's if that's what it is. But it's all connected, y'all. It doesn't matter which one you choose just to have one. And when you really look at all this, if I look at what Katie, how you've landed where you're at, you're talking about a lot of the same things that I found that, you know, it's it's not about the tools you use. Why are you arguing on whether this is one of the ways that they can connect with the spirit or not? Yeah. It doesn't make any difference why someone thinks that just because I found my way that your way doesn't work. That's not the right way. It's just ridiculous, really. What do you think the soul is? You know, I think the soul is the part of us that is always, that is uniquely us, and the part of us that is tied to eternity. And source. That's a really good definition. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Or source or God, whatever that is. So partly it is the part of us that that never ends. And so we we share some of that with the ultimate source. And then also I think, you know, we get to keep our quirks and our um delight and the thing that makes us uniquely us. 
So you're talking about consciousness, really. Consciousness and, yeah, I guess that eternal consciousness. Yeah. What is your concept of heaven and hell? Um, yeah, I think, well, I don't, I don't believe in hell in any kind of traditional sense at all. Um, I think we do a really darn good job of creating hell on earth. Um, as a you know, as a biblical scholar, I can tell you all of the development of hell throughout the ages and where where it first starts to appear in the scripture and you know all the historical critical stuff, um, and that was really helpful for me because that further convinced me that yeah, this is this has virtually no historical merit uh, whatsoever, um, actually within within Christian thought. Although we, we certainly believe that it does, um, but what is heaven? You know, I actually I don't think we know. Um, since I am someone who believes in past lives and future lives and concurrent lives, all of that kind of thing, we have enough anecdotal evidence from people who've had pretty profound experiences to know that we go somewhere in between lives and get some instruction and healing and laughter and and whatever whatever else it is that goes on. But I think eventually we're going to stop living lives. What happens after that? Who the heaven knows? Is that heaven? Is there scripture that backs this up that reincarnation is the thing? No, um, uh, very little. Um, uh, you, maybe some like kind of glimpses of this. Um, instead, what we do find is that in early groups of Christians and of Jews, they were talking about the soul in ways that kind of resemble what we now call reincarnation. Um, the migration of the soul through many bodies, through many lifetimes. So you see hints of it in early Christian and Jewish thought. Um, within scripture itself, you know, people kind of point to, um, like when people thought that Jesus was Elijah, kind of come back. So I don't think that saying that Jesus is a reincarnation of Elijah. But people are kind of wondering, can prophets live this long? Can they be, can a prophet be reincarnated? Can a prophet kind of come back in this other form? So you see some kind of rudimentary questions, but no, no full out discussion. What do metaphysical Christians think about karma? Karma. How do you define karma? Well, you get back what you put out. Yeah. I mean, I think there's some kind of human truth to that, right? Like as above, so below. Yeah. Um, you reap what you sow. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as a, I guess I, don't, I haven't given it, so I haven't given it a whole lot of thought. I'd be really curious kind of what you think about it um, as well. I was like in the, in the episodes I've listened to, I haven't heard that uh, discussed. Um, I believe that every thought carries weight and your every moment, every thought is putting out an energy that's going out to this source and listen, people don't like it when I say it, but energy is energy. It goes out to it and it responds sort of like a computer and gives back according to mostly the intention behind the thought. So that we're always by our intentions creating karma, good or bad, throughout the day in every second. I really like that. So that everything we think about is attracting whatever our experience is, whether we're feeling good, feeling bad, what shows up. All that. Yeah, I mean, and it's kind of like the ultimate law of attraction in that way. Um, or yep. it's like what, whatever energy we're putting into the quantum field is getting yep. beamed back to us. You nailed it. Um, yeah, and I, you know, I think for kind of traditional toxic Christianity, um, this can this can be really really toxic, right? Because although of course 
kind of evangelical Christians would not use the word karma, uh, certainly. But there's kind of the thought, well, I can do, I can just kind of be as horrific as I want to someone and then just ask for forgiveness without accepting the responsibility. So I think what I like about, especially about your concept of karma, is that it also asks us to accept responsibility. Yeah, absolutely. And that if, yeah, if we need to change our energy, then we change our energy. Um, Change the way we think, we'll feel differently. Change the way we think. Yep. Yeah, change our behavior, change our actions, yep. and that our emotions. Our, yeah, right, everything. And that to be full human beings means to fully process our, our lives and what we're living. Why do you think Christians have a problem with manifestation? Oh, my gosh. I can't figure out why exactly. Um, there's, I, I see a lot of abandonment of responsibility and with, with really good intent. And so I don't want to, um, I don't want to knock this because I think I probably used to do it. I know I used to do it too, but there's kind of a mindset of, well, it's all like, everything is God. Everything is God. I, I hear this all the time. I'm just the vessel. I'm just the instrument. Um, and to me, that means we're actually abandoning our responsibility because we're well first of all anyone out there you are not just a vessel or just an instrument you are a fully realized human being who is divinely incarnated and your body is sacred and holy so you're never just a vessel you may be a sacred co-creator with god and for those of us who are jesus followers through the example of of jesus christ and so to me, that means our manifesting, we're doing it in partnership with God and by listening very closely to source and to spirit. And we can always say no, like God has these great things planned for us and we can, we're always free to tell God no. And I watch people do it all day, every day. So we're manifesting. Yeah, from my view, it seems like God's okay with whatever comes out. I mean, it's like experiencing itself through us. I mean, how do you interpret the concept of divine providence? I mean, you know, that God is a, or the higher power has a plan or purpose for the universe and everything in it and its relationship to free will and our personal well, one responsibility. One of the things that I love so, actually, that I love so much about Christianity, and I think many spiritual traditions, this is just the one that I know the best, is that we do have free will and we have free will to screw it up. We have free will to be horrible <laughs> to people. Yeah. And we certainly see that through most of human history. Most of human history is truly barbaric. And if humans have had the free will to be just assholes to each other and they've done it. And God, I think that God is a God of choice and God values our choice so much that God I, uh, I believe weeps and allows us to do so and then sends us examples like Jesus to show us how to do it in a different way, how to, you know, how to do it in a better way. So if there, is, there a, is there a divine plan for the whole universe? I have no idea because I am not source. If there is, I tend to think that it's um, to learn how to love one another and to I love it. Yeah, to do that. Ultimately, that's it. Yeah, and just mm -hmm. just do that to to find joy, to find love, to be that. And that whatever ways we can do that in wild abundance is, you know, is is what we're here to learn how to do. Um and the earth and the universe happens to be a really good um teaching place for that. Dig deeper here. Why do you think we're here? 
Yeah, I think we're here. Well, so I, like specifically here on planet Earth, I think we're um, Earth is a fantastic learning camp, all about contrast because humans do really crappy things to each other all the time, um, and we see that. And through those experiences, we also learn a lot. Um, our soul goes. Our, our soul speeds up the lessons that we need to learn to be fully realized soul beings. So human life is a really, really good way to do that. And it's a faster way than if we never incarnated. If we never incarnated, we'd still get there. It would just take a lot longer. You know, and some believe if you believe in reincarnation, we might have been some of these people at some right. points. Right, we might have been the shitty people, right? Terribly bad, <laughs> right. you know. It's all possible. Most likely we have been, right? We've. Yeah, I mean, the contemplation of what this thing really is is just mind-blowing. But man, isn't it fun to think about? Yes. It really is. I only have time for a couple more questions for you here, but uh, what do you think happens when we die? Um, I, I, I wouldn't even say believe. Um, I think based on maybe a few kind of glimpses I've had in my own meditation and, and mostly from, again, anecdotal stories from others, I think we go to a place and kind of evaluate our own lives, regroup, heal, talk with the ancestors, hopefully play, laugh, and learn a little bit. And then choose what are the things we didn't quite learn that time around that we may need to do again. And do you for think me, we have bodies? I believe that we do not have bodies as we do here, but that we are not massless. Hmm. So our bodies are most likely very, very light. Like they, we wouldn't call them bodies here in our very dense planet Earth. But they are sort of very ephemeral. Um, I and love I've, the way you think. Well, I've actually I've had dreams about this where um, I've had dreams that I was a that I was a ghost, and that I could only manifest in <laughs> corporeal form for like two two or three seconds every hundred years. Oh my goodness! I know. Um, wow. So you had to plan as the ghost. I had to, in my dream. I had to plan very carefully for when I wanted to become corporeal wow. and how you know you could kind of bank. You could bank for a couple of hundred years if you wanted, like five minutes or something. Wow, that's awesome! What a dream! I know it was oh fun. My goodness, I love that. But I think that I was that. saying something about the soul state too. Well, have have you ever uh, like astral traveled or anything like that? No, you know, I listened to I listened to an episode where you were talking about astral traveling, and no, I it's one of those tools that I think would be pretty really cool, and I've just it not put be. the time or energy into it. Yeah, I haven't been successful still. I haven't tried since then, but I'm definitely going to try again. It was that much fun and interesting. Um, well, listen, I, I truly love the way you think. I know that you have a very successful Facebook page. You're doing podcasting all the time. You're on YouTube. You're everywhere. How do people get in touch with you? Yep. So uh, easiest way is just to go to my website, and that's katievalentine.com. And Katie is spelled kind of funny, K-A-T-Y valentine just like the holiday.com uh, for those of you who are on facebook you may want to join my facebook group it's called the metaphysical christian we have a lot of fun i have about ten thousand members um we're pretty active um talking asking questions and uh seeing what the journey is all about yeah and it really is a great group i'm a member over there as well and katie valentine's easy to remember katie thank you so much you know i believe in the power of collective consciousness and I strive to create a space where everyone's unique perspectives and insights are valued. I've created a community. And if you would like to join us, visit my website at russjohnson.com and you'll see a link at the top of the page called Join Community. We would love to have you. Thanks for listening. It's all connected at russjohnson.com.